Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
And good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Cold War Radio, live from our home base, WAAR. We are America Radio, your number one source for government and political talk anywhere, coming to you from the God's Country studio, nestled on the bank of the mighty Allegheny River that flows south to Pittsburgh to meet up with the Monongahela River to form the Ohio River and run all the way to the Gulf of Mexico. I am Hutch Bailey, Jr., on guard, and from the Shenandoah Valley studio in Virginia, please come in, Jack of the Mountain. Come in, Jack. Hutch, how's it going? Uh, big shout out to all the folks in the Spreaker chat room. They're already uh, locked and loaded and ready to roll. It's a great day, and what a great song to intro it. I love that guy's laugh. I'll tell you, and I just feel good. And first of all, let me congratulate you and your caps for defeating the Pittsburgh Penguins and moving on to round three. Of another, the Stanley Cup playoffs, another awesome series. It, it, it never fails to uh, uh, entertain, and the both of those teams, no matter which side wins, uh, they give it their all. Man. Okay, using the Jake breakout on route that route out there. I'm not going to tell you the route. <laughs> almost did though. Almost, almost slipped. <laughs> Follow me on Spreaker, ladies and gentlemen. Like the Facebook page. Facebook.com slash Cold War Radio 22. You can catch the show on Roku via Blueberry. Or that's after the show, and you can only catch it live on Spreaker and the Spreaker app, the Cold War Radio app. But you can catch it on YouTube after the show. The 405media.com plays it during the day. Cold War Radio is a proud iHeartRadio program. And as I said, there is a free Cold War Radio app if you are just joining us for the first time. Go to your app store, look up Cold War Radio, it's free. The email is hutch at steelcityresistance.com. The Cold War Radio patron hotline is 412-567-1460. The patrons are paying for the number, let's use it, folks. Chat room is up on Spreaker. Go to steelcityresistance.com, catch the show notes links, and more importantly, become a Cold War Radio patron. Uh, that really helps out. Send any mail to Hutch Bailey Jr., P.O. Box 9 6022 Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, 15226. All right. We have a lot to get into, uh, Jack. I mean, this was a monumental day, and we're going to get into it in just a minute. This is Cold War Radio on We Are America Radio, WAAR. I got to put my console in front of me. It's off to the side, and sometimes I get a, a little bit uh, off center, uh, and that happens. Uh, anyway, uh, we had a monumental speech today. We're going to do this a little bit differently. Uh, we're going to the entire dialogue segment is going to be on this, and, and I think if you haven't heard the president's news conference in its entirety, you're getting ready to. Uh, but I would suggest recording this or just uh, at least having the ability to get back to the show, if nothing else. The video is on the Facebook page. Uh, but this is something, and, and I'm gonna, we're going to get into it uh, when it's over. But this was a monumental speech. The best, the best outing, in my opinion, that the president has had to date. Uh, it, it, was, it was inspiring uh, and... Let's talk about it after after the uh, after it plays. My fellow Americans, today I want to update the world on our efforts to prevent Iran from acquiring a nuclear weapon. The Iranian regime is the leading state sponsor of terror. It exports dangerous missiles, fuels conflicts across the Middle East and supports terrorist proxies and militias such as Hezbollah, Hamas, the Taliban, and al-Qaeda. Over the years, Iran and its proxies have bombed American embassies and military installations, murdered hundreds of American service members, and kidnapped, imprisoned, and tortured American citizens. The Iranian regime has funded its long reign of chaos and terror by plundering the wealth of its own people. No action taken by the regime 
has been more dangerous than its pursuit of nuclear weapons and the means of delivering them. In 2015, the previous administration joined with other nations in a deal regarding Iran's nuclear program. This agreement was known as the Joint Comprehensive Plan of Action, or JCPOA. In theory, the so-called Iran deal was supposed to protect the United States and our allies from the lunacy of an Iranian nuclear bomb, a weapon that will only endanger the survival of the Iranian regime. In fact, the deal allowed Iran to continue enriching uranium and, over time, reach the brink of a nuclear breakout. The deal lifted crippling economic sanctions on Iran in exchange for very weak limits on the regime's nuclear activity and no limits at all on its other malign behavior, including its sinister activities in Syria, Yemen, and other places all around the world. In other words, at the point when the United States had maximum leverage, this disastrous deal gave this regime, and it's a regime of great terror, many billions of dollars, some of it in actual cash, a great embarrassment to a citizen and to all citizens of the United States. A constructive deal could easily have been struck at the time, but it wasn't. At the heart of the Iran deal was a giant fiction that a murderous regime desired only a peaceful nuclear energy program. Today, we have definitive proof that this Iranian promise was a lie. Last week, Israel published intelligence documents long concealed by Iran, conclusively showing the Iranians' regime and its history of pursuing nuclear weapons. The fact is, this was a horrible one-sided deal that should have never, ever been made. It didn't bring calm, it didn't bring peace, and it never will. In the years since the deal was reached, Iran's military budget has grown by almost 40 percent, while its economy is doing very badly. After the sanctions were lifted, the dictatorship used its new funds to build nuclear-capable missiles, support terrorism, and cause havoc throughout the Middle East and beyond. The agreement was so poorly negotiated that even if Iran fully complies, the regime can still be on the verge of a nuclear breakout in just a short period of time. The deal's sunset provisions are totally unacceptable. If I allowed this deal to stand, there would soon be a nuclear arms race in the Middle East. Everyone would want their weapons ready by the time Iran had theirs. Making matters worse, the deal's inspection provisions lack adequate mechanisms to prevent, detect, and punish cheating, and don't even have the unqualified right to inspect many important locations, including military facilities. Not only does the deal fail to halt Iran's nuclear ambitions, but it also fails to address the regime's development of ballistic missiles that could deliver nuclear warheads. Finally, the deal does nothing to constrain Iran's destabilizing activities including hey guys it is ryan i'm not sure if you know this about me but i'm a bit of a fun fanatic when i can i like to work but i like fun too it's a thing and now the truth is out there i can tell you about my favorite place to have fun chumba casino they have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week you can play for free anytime anywhere 
and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It's support for terrorism. Since the agreement, Iran's bloody ambitions have grown only more brazen. In light of these glaring flaws, I announced last October that the Iran deal must either be renegotiated or terminated. Three months later, on January 12th, I repeated these conditions. I made clear that if the deal could not be fixed, the United States would no longer be a party to the agreement. Over the past few months, we have engaged extensively with our allies and partners around the world, including France, Germany, and the United Kingdom. We have also consulted with our friends from across the Middle East. We are unified in our understanding of the threat and in our conviction that Iran must never acquire a nuclear weapon. After these consultations, it is clear to me that we cannot prevent an Iranian nuclear bomb under the decaying and rotten structure of the current agreement. The Iran deal is defective at its core. If we do nothing, we know exactly what will happen. In just a short period of time, the world's leading state sponsor of terror will be on the cusp of acquiring the world's most dangerous weapons. Therefore, I am announcing today that the United States will withdraw from the Iran nuclear deal. In a few moments, I will sign a presidential memorandum to begin reinstating U.S. nuclear sanctions on the Iranian regime. We will be instituting the highest level of economic sanction. Any nation that helps Iran in its quest for nuclear weapons could also be strongly sanctioned by the United States. America will not be held hostage to nuclear blackmail. We will not allow American cities to be threatened with destruction. And we will not allow a regime that chants death to America to gain access to the most deadly weapons on Earth. Today's action sends a critical message. The United States no longer makes empty threats. When I make promises, I keep them. In fact, at this very moment, Secretary Pompeo is on his way to North Korea in preparation for my upcoming meeting with Kim Jong-un. Plans are being made. Relationships are building. Hopefully, a deal will happen. And with the help of China, South Korea, and Japan, a future of great prosperity and security can be achieved for everyone. As we exit the Iran deal, we will be working with our allies to find a real, comprehensive, and lasting solution to the Iranian nuclear threat. This will include efforts to eliminate the threat of Iran's ballistic missile program, to stop its terrorist activities worldwide, and to block its menacing activity across the Middle East. In the meantime, powerful sanctions will go into full effect. If the regime continues its nuclear aspirations, it will have bigger problems than it has ever had before. <laughs> Finally, I want to deliver a message to the long-suffering people of Iran. The people of America stand with you 
It has now been almost 40 years since this dictatorship seized power and took a proud nation hostage. Most of Iran's 80 million citizens have sadly never known an Iran that prospered in peace with its neighbors and commanded the admiration of the world. But the future of Iran belongs to its people. They are the rightful heirs to a rich culture and an ancient land. And they deserve a nation that does justice to their dreams, honor to their history, and glory to God. Iran's leaders will naturally say that they refuse to negotiate a new deal. They refuse, and that's fine. I'd probably say the same thing if I was in their position. But the fact is, they are going to want to make a new and lasting deal, one that benefits all of Iran and the Iranian people. When they do, I am ready, willing, and able. Great things can happen for Iran, and great things can happen for the peace and stability that we all want in the Middle East. There has been enough suffering, death, and destruction. Let it end now. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you. I don't know about you, but that was uh, that was one of the best speeches I ever heard. I mean, the, the was- contrast between President Trump and President Obama and even President Bush, uh, both Bushes. I, I have never heard a president just uh, realize that he is the baddest on the block and he's going to let you know. Yeah, I thought it was an, an excellent uh, speech. I anticipated this, especially, you know, with the news last week of uh, Prime, Prime Minister Netanyahu releasing uh, the, uh, the files from Iran on their rocket thing and did his presentation. I kind of knew that uh, the president was going to pull out of that deal. He laid it out there. It's a bad deal. Um, I, like, I like the way he reached out to the Iranian people. And I know they have a bad taste in their mouth because the last time an American president said that uh, he was um, looking out for the Iranian people if they rose up, um, I don't think President Trump's going to pull an Obama and ignore it. Or, or really, uh, when you look at it, a Bush. Both of those, I mean, the Kurds in Iraq just got uh, hoodwinked by H.W. Bush. I mean, they got murdered. They got gassed because of him. Uh, you know, egging them on and telling them, hey, we got your back and everything. And uh, Kennedy did it to the in the Bay of Pigs. Uh, this guy's not going to do it. And, and I like the way, uh, and I had to play that whole speech. I know, I know I normally don't do that. It was 11 minutes long, and I thought about it. And the way it hit me, I wanted to make sure that everybody else uh, had a chance to listen to it. So, uh, again, the, the video's on the Facebook page. But uh, the way he just made punks and idiots out of John Kerry and Barack Obama during that speech was necessary, necessary. I mean, yeah. and, and he did. I mean, he, there, there was no, there was a couple things that came out in that, in that speech. One was turning the page from these incompetents. And two, if they continue to do this, they're going to pay for it. Yeah, because we've seen the, uh, the former Secretary of State uh, and the reports of him trying to, you know, to me, he's just run the globalist deal. And if you look at some of the EU countries, the other signatories to that fraud of an agreement, uh, kind of whining and moaning that the U.S. is pulling out, of course they're going to whine and moan because who was, who was the sucker in that deal? Right. The United States. And we've been the sucker to every deal in the past 50 years. Listen to the difference between John Kerry and his verbiage and President Trump. 
Our friends are safer if we stay in this agreement. I think the best thing the president could do is use this agreement, staying in the agreement, and then focus on the missiles and the other things with some sort of a deadline. But to pull out of it and try to focus on those things totally complicates your ability to achieve the goals. And I think it could uh, actually lead to conflict, potentially. Secretary Kerry, there have been rumors that you've been working behind the scenes to save the deal, you know, speaking with uh, foreign leaders and diplomats. Is this true? And what do you make of Trump's criticism of your involvement? Well, I, I, I'm an ex-Secretary of State who has great friendships and great relationships with people around the world. I travel around the world and business and other things. And I meet with people and I have uh, conversations and I stay current. Uh, that is a normal process for any ex-secretary or anybody who's been involved in public affairs. Uh, I'm not engaged in any particular uh, strategy or anything, but I certainly think the president should stay in the agreement. I think America is stronger if we stay in the agreement. We made an agreement. Iran is living by the agreement. Yes, we have concerns on the missiles, on Yemen, other things, but we should be working on those. The Obama administration made a clear decision that working on those other issues and making progress on them is easier with an Iran that doesn't have a nuclear weapon than an Iran which is moving towards one. What a complete moron. Well, did you catch that double speak? Yeah. Well, Iran is following all that stuff. Of course, there are some concerns. America. We could deal with other toys. It's like, man, please, get, get your pink jumpsuit back on, your pink right. helmet, go ride bike. And, and, and the other thing, too, uh, which is very important, uh, that the president pointed out, is there were no provisions for the other than nuclear destruction that they're causing. And that, that's uh, right now, pre-detonation, uh, that's that's a real problem. I mean, they're getting people killed all over the place. There are revolutionary Iraq, guards, yeah. yeah. Iran's established in Iraq and Syria. And, I, you know, like I think I heard you discussing it on Wayne's show last night about that great guest, uh, Lieutenant Colonel Tony Schaefer, and his hints that, the strikes uh, weren't really directed against Assad. They were directed towards Russia. It was message, message sending, yeah. Yeah. Just under a little bit of cover. Uh, but I also, before we leave this subject, uh, I want to make sure everybody knows how we got here. Who do we have to blame for the fact that Obama is going to get approval of this Iran deal, even though only about a third of the Senate will support it? The guy's Senator Bob Corker of Tennessee, a Republican who is chairman of the Senate Foreign Affairs Committee. When the Iran deal was first being negotiated and nearing signature, the issue came up, can Obama get a two-thirds majority in the Senate to ratify it as the Constitution requires? And the answer was, of course not. The Republicans would all vote against it and some of the Democrats would vote against it. No way he was going to get two-thirds. So what Obama did was he said, I will not submit this treaty to the Senate for approval uh, because it's not a treaty. It's an executive agreement, an agreement among heads of state that has nothing to do with binding the country. And therefore, I'm not going to submit it to the Senate. Blatantly unconstitutional, but he just said that that's what he was going to do. And Corker went into this negotiation that reminds me of the bridge over the River Kwai, where he went into a negotiation with Obama and ultimately ended up espousing Obama's point of view and giving him much more than he asked for. Uh, what, what he told Obama was, please, please, please submit your treaty to the Senate. And he, Obama said, no, it'll get rejected. And he said, well, let's make it that it's just a regular bill and we can defeat it and then you can veto our defeat and then we need a two-thirds majority to override your veto. Uh, so that basically, instead of needing two-thirds to approve the treaty, as the Constitution said, you need two-thirds to disapprove the treaty, as Bob Corker negotiated. And as a result, now you'll have a vote in the Senate where probably roughly 60 senators are going to vote against this deal. About 40 will vote for it, and that'll be enough for this to go through. All because Bob Corker got massively snookered and negotiating the worst possible deal you could ever imagine. Now... If Obama had not 
negotiated with Corker, and Corker had refused and said, don't submit this. If you don't want to submit this to the Senate, you're not going to submit it, but I'm not going to let you submit it in a way where it can get ratified with the tiny minority supporting it. If Corker had said that, the public would have reacted in outrage at Obama's refusal to submit the treaty to Congress. The polling showed that even though... With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. By two to one, people opposed the deal. By five or six to one, they felt that he had to submit it to Congress. And if he had not, it would have lost all its legitimacy with the American people, would have become a huge campaign issue, and would have been very easy for the next president to rescind because it had never been approved by Congress. Instead, Corker folded and went along with the worst deal a Republican senator ever has. And I don't know enough about Corker to know what his motivations were. I can't assume that they were not benign, but it's hard to imagine anyone being that stupid. So if you're in Tennessee and you're listening to this video, remember Corker. And the next time he comes up, vote for his Republican primary opponent, which I hope he has. And if you're in the rest of the country, write your senator and ask him to remove Corker as chairman of the Senate Foreign Affairs Committee. He has demonstrably failed in this endeavor. I might also note that, by the way, his opponent, the head of the Democrats on the Foreign Affairs Committee, Bob Menendez, has shown tremendous courage in opposing this deal from the very beginning. Odd reversal. Thanks for watching. Ladies and gentlemen, that was Dick Morris, formerly of the Clinton administration, and then had an epiphany at some point and became a conservative commentator. So there, there you go. I just wanted to make sure everybody realized uh, that it was because of the Republican Party that we got the deal in the first place. Yeah, I haven't heard. That was an excellent explanation of what you've always been saying about that Corker thing. That laid it out nice and smooth, easy to understand. So thanks for that clip. Yeah, I was looking for a, a clip from Corker, and I couldn't find any uh, that was really relevant. And I stumbled across that, and I thought the same thing. You know, here's a teachable moment uh, with somebody that really laid it out like a professor almost. Uh, and, of course, little Bobby Corker is too cowardly to stay in office, and he's running for the hills of Tennessee, uh, not going to run again. So there you go, ladies and gentlemen. I think we're in a pretty good uh, situation right now. I, I was, I'll, I'll be honest, uh, my official opinion was that he was going to get out of the deal, but Stacey Rush scared me uh, when she told me every time that we feel certain that something's going to happen, it goes the other way. So I was a little bit wavy, but Netanyahu uh, pretty much uh, soothed me. Uh, it was almost impossible uh, for Donald Trump to stay in the, in the deal and uh, understand that he stood against the whole world, except for Israel and Saudi Arabia, uh, when he did this. I mean, he stood against Germany, the United Kingdom, uh, France. Uh, they all tried to talk him out of it, and he... Uh, I love the guy, man. <laughs> yeah, um, he. It, it's if we had. I mean, if you look at the past administration, that this is a defining moment in uh, a man that's in the office that's looking out for the country, the citizens of this country, instead of the big business donors, the ones that are fueling the pockets of all the politicians in Europe and a lot of the politicians in the uh, the swamp in the United States, and having. Uh, the governments run their agenda and not the uh, uh, run the governments to look out for its own sovereignty or its own people. Right. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, your weekly jihad report for April 28th to May 4th, 45 jihad attacks, 317 killed, 372 injured, 10 suicide blasts, all occurring in 12 countries. The religion of peace atrocity of the week in Nigeria, 86 blown to bits. A suicide bomber detonated explosives at a mosque during afternoon prayers. As worshippers fled, a second bomber exploded a device about 200 meters away. Local grave diggers at the town's only cemetery 
say they buried 86 bodies. Other recent misunderstandings of Islam, on the 5th in Cameroon, a dozen people at a mosque are laid by two suicide bombers. On the 4th in Nigeria, a suicide bomber rushes inside a family home and kills three residents in Kenya. On the 3rd, four Christian quarry workers are hacked to death with machetes by religion of peace activists. On the 3rd in Syria, two aid workers are among four killed by jihadi car bombers. On the 3rd in Pakistan, a suicide bomber strikes a bus, killing at least two other people. On the 2nd in Libya, two suicide bombers storm an election headquarters and claim a dozen scalps. The religion of peace, ladies and gentlemen, one body at a time. Allahu Akbar, Allah. Cold War Radio. Now, as a result of all this, Jack Israel goes on high alert over Syria as Trump quits the Iran deal. This is from Reuters in Jerusalem. Israel went on high alert for a possible flare-up with neighboring Syria on Tuesday as U.S. President Donald Trump announced he was withdrawing from the 2015 nuclear deal with Iran. The Israeli military said that after identifying irregular activity by Iranian forces in Syria, it instructed civic authorities in the Golan Heights to ready bomb shelters, deploy new defenses, and mobilize some reservist forces. Israel's top general, Gadi Eisenkot, canceled a scheduled appearance at an annual security conference and was conferring with Defense Minister Avigdor Lieberman and other national security chiefs, officials said. So it's getting real, and it's getting real real quick. Oh, yeah. And I'm sure that Israel's. Re- I mean, you look at uh, who is uh, the isolated one over there. It's, o- it's always been Israel. Which country has put forward um, millions, if not billions of dollars in support of terrorists or entities that are uh, one goal is to destroy Israel off the face of the earth? That's Iran. Um They've been, uh, I think they uh, attacked a few uh, Iran military sites in Syria uh, recently. And um, according to this article, they might have done that today, although Israel is not confirming that. But it it doesn't surprise me one bit. Um, This is their uh, existence on the line. If you allow Iran, like this deal seems to allow... Iran to come just up to the like he's they're right at the front door of having nuclear weapon and they're supposed we're supposed to believe that they're going to honor that the lot door is locked and they're just going to stand there that close that's what makes you uh, so furious about Kerry I mean for him to get out there this is a a former presidential candidate who's thinking about running again I hope he does uh, but the, to to lie he can't be that stupid. So he's lying to the American people every time he opens his mouth. And the whole party does. They've been doing it for years, decades even. I mean, we've gone over this. I mean, how how far gone have our elected leaders and people associated with D.C. Beltway have been basically in it for themselves? But the part I don't understand, and I never did, was this: they're going to get just as nuked as me and you. You know, that's the part, the suicide part's the part I don't get. But maybe they're that cocky that they think that it can't happen. Or they're to the point where they're saying, hey, I'm going to live high on the hog. I ain't got but, what, 10 years left? Look at uh, Songbird McCain. He's on his way out. But yeah. he lived his life pretty good for, you know, the entire time he's been selling out the United States, hasn't he? Yeah, he has. Uh, now, to your point, Iran and Lebanon's Hezbollah, have been helping Syrian President Bashar al-Assad beat back a seven-year-old rebellion. Israel has carried out repeated airstrikes against them, hoping to stop the formation of a Lebanese-Syrian front to its north. An April 9th strike killed seven Iranian military personnel at a Syrian airbase. Iran blamed Israel and said 
it would retaliate. So, okay, we'll see what happens there. We will keep our eyes on that, ladies and gentlemen, because nobody else is. Uh, Another story from Reuters, European allies decry Trump move on Iran, Israel, and Saudis praise it. So this is from the Reuters staff in Brussels. Israel praised President Donald Trump's decision to pull the United States out of the Iran nuclear deal, while Washington's allies in Europe expressed regret over the decision and said they would do they would too try to keep the pact alive, sounding like the little losers that they are. Uh, the European Union is determined to preserve it. Uh, EU Foreign Policy Chief Frederica Mogherini said of the world power's 2015 agreement with Tehran, together with the rest of the international community, we will preserve this nuclear deal. I am particularly worried about the announcement tonight of new sanctions, she added. Well, guess what? There it is. Uh, you damn fools are closer than we are. It, it, I mean, it, it's, it's, this reminds me of when President Trump pulled out of the Paris Climate Agreement. Yeah. You had the gnashing of teeth. It's, why? Because the United States in both of those deals is the ones that's going to lose the most out of it or have the most uh, capital at risk. The EU isn't looking out for its citizens. Look at the look at the situations in most of the countries there with the migrants that they keep bringing exactly. in there and, and ignoring the crimes they commit. Um, so President Trump is looking out for us, finally, because the, the past administration was falling right in line with the, everything that's happening over in the EU. And now President Trump said, no, we're not playing that game. It's, it was wrong for us to sign into it. We got a bad deal. We got, we got you know, the short end of the stick on everything you guys are pulling. Uh, and one and thing you got to understand, go one thing you got to understand with Muslims when they get money, Muslim countries and governments, when they get money from the United States, they're considered, they tell their people that that's a jizya. That's a dimmy tax. That billions of dollars was a jizya. That was, that was a payment to Iran because we're infidels and we're inferior to them. And I know Obama knew that. Uh, I would love to see nothing more. I would love nothing more than to see the president put a special forces team together and go over to Iran and take our money back. I'm serious. I'd love to see that. Already pretty much spent that that those pallets. They think they said one pallet went one way, one someplace, <laughs> and the other two pallets of that one point five billion in cash disappeared. Well, we'll so take artwork or, or gold or something in kind. <laughs> I mean, it's just <laughs> make it's a hell of a, a movie. Because, yeah, because Iran has such a rich culture in history, and it's only been since they deposed the Shah and and let the or the radical Islamists rule the country. That it's gone downhill this far. That's you know, true. We're I mean, talking 40, 50 something years. Yeah, it was it was nineteen seventy nine, uh, but the uh, I was coming of age at that time. As a matter of fact, it made me join the army. Uh, but uh, we were we were singing Iran cadences and everything. But Iran used to be a fairly Western country. I mean, they're Persians. They're not they're not Arabs, uh, and and uh, great people. I mean, but it was Western life over there. Before Ayatollah Khomeini, you know, I mean, casinos and everything, a beautiful, yeah. beautiful people. Uh, you look up, uh, uh, just look up classic or 1950s Iran and Iraq, actually. Both of them look and they look like, uh, look like uh, some of them areas look like cities sure. in our Midwest, you know? Absolutely. I mean, it was that much of a difference. It's not like they went from that back to or they never came out of the stone age they were thriving uh communities or or nations at one point in time before saddam hussein iraq was like that too uh beirut used to be the riviera of the middle east of the mediterranean you know it was a beautiful beautiful city now the other side of this saudi arabia a sunni muslim power that considers shiite iran to be its main regional foe also hailed trump's decision Iran used economic gains from the lifting of the sanctions to continue its activities to destabilize the region, particularly by developing ballistic missiles and supporting terrorist groups in the region, said a statement carried on Saudi-owned Al Arabiya television. 
Belgian Prime Minister Charles Michael said scrapping the Iran deal meant more instability in the Middle East and said he deeply regrets the announcement by Trump. EU and its international partners must remain committed and Iran must continue to fulfill its obligations. Translated, EU and its international partners must remain stupid and subservient to Iran and any other Muslim people. You know, I swear you got to wonder if they're not talking to their immigrants. I'm telling you, they're, all they're looking out is for their own personal business corporate interest in that. Because what they did with this deal is they opened up business to flood into Iran. Right, exactly. Right? That's true. So they want to be first. You get in there first, you become the big, the top dogs. And then as as they were thinking that it was going to uh, rise up in, in their economy... Despite the fact being run by radical Islamists. And, and make no mistake, the United money. States did it too. Boeing yes. was the first company in there after that deal cut to rebuild their, their passenger uh, aircraft fleet. I think it was Boeing, one, one of our aircraft manufacturers. Uh, so Once they open the door, you see them. It's the, it's the main players, and they're always first at the door and right in the country. You're absolutely bam, right. bam, 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 bam. Now, another uh, story that did not hit the mainstream media that is pertinent and relevant, attempted assassination of Iranian dissident in New York. If confirmed, this is the first time since 1981 that the Iranian regime has targeted a defector on U.S. soil. This is brought by Front Page Magazine and Kenneth R. Timmerman because we always give attribution at this show. Iranian dissident Mansour Osanlu, the exiled former head of the bus drivers union in Tehran, was savagely attacked on Tuesday while traveling on a PATH train into New York City and left for dead. Multiple assailants sprayed him with a corrosive chemical, then clubbed him in the back of the neck with what appears to have been a tire iron. He lay in a coma for several days and required 17 stitches in his neck. The author spoke with Osanlu on Monday, not long after he awoke from a coma. I don't remember anything, he said. But you can see from the pictures that I was sprayed with some kind of a chemical weapon and smashed in the head. This was a terrorist attack. Photographs taken at the hospital that you can see uh, in the show notes links show a horribly disfigured Osanlu. The burns to his skin are reminiscent of mustard gas attacks. Osanlu has been instrumental in planning mass protests across Iran in recent months and is the most prominent Iranian labor leader in Iran or in exile. He was traveling to the New York studio of Iran International Television for an interview at the invitation of broadcaster Askar Ramazandi. Ramazanzadi. Uh, so there you go, ladies and gentlemen. There's more to that story if you want to dig into it. Uh, but Jack, this is uh, this could be a very good time for the Iranian people. It is. Uh, I just, you know, if, if we've got any listeners that uh, are of Iranian heritage and hear this and share this with uh, family back there, I believe that President Trump is true to his word, unlike what Pre- President Obama did in his speech uh, where he reached out and tried to say that he would help the Iranians that wanted to uh, free themselves of their oppressive government. They did, and Obama did nothing. And so I'm wary about them trying it again, but uh, I would hope that they would think that President Trump would be handling it much, uh, much stronger effort for the people of it, Iran. And don't, don't forget that James Clapper and John Brennan are gone, and now we have uh, Ambassador Bolton, as the DNI, and soon to have Pompeo's deputy as the head of the CIA. So this is uh, this is good news for the Iranian people. Labor strike delays thousands of medical appointments and procedures in California. The Daily Caller, Nick Jeevas, the media and politics reporter, says a labor strike at the University of California Monday caused medical centers to reschedule more than 12,000 surgeries, cancer treatments, uh, and appointments, 20,000 members of the school's largest employee union, the American Federation of State, County, and Municipal Employees, staged a walkout and planned to strike for three days, according to the Los Angeles Times. 
Workers wore green union t-shirts and carried signs reading, We Run, You See. You people suck. Yes, they do. Putting all those uh, people, people's health at uh, as hostage, basically, to try and what? Gain more wages i mean it's it's right along the it's right along the lines of the story we had on the show last night with the teachers unions exactly. these people are heartless communists yeah it's uh and who suffers the people yeah the the people suffer and supposedly they are the people i mean a t-shirt says saying we run you see get out of town i mean Come these on. are the same people that work in the va I'd fire them. You need to be a right to work state. I'd fire every one of them and hire people that uh, that are out there looking for work in the medical field and want to help patients. I know one thing I'd do, uh, and if anybody's listening, uh, look this up. Federal workers were only allowed to unionize by an executive order by John F. Kennedy, which means President Donald Trump can change it just with a pen. Uh, it's, it's something that I don't feel that federal employees at public servants now at the state and local level, that's that that's on them. But at the federal level, it, it doesn't make sense at all. No, I remember what, uh, president Reagan did when the uh, air traffic, air traffic controllers. controllers went on strike. That was, that was thug life there. And he just yeah. fired them all. Fired them all and replaced them. Yeah. Yeah. Immediately. Okay, to wrap this. Well, let me just finish real quick. You're talking about the safety of flights. Here we're talking about the safety and health of people. And with the teachers, you're looking at the education of our youth. So all of those should be considered, in my opinion, national security. Sure. Um, And and rise to the level of what President Reagan did with the uh, air traffic controllers back in the day. And I mean, that's a stressful job. I almost applied for that one time. I went to a seminar. Right after Reagan did that, as a matter of fact, uh, but they get off. And I, th- I, for- I think it's like twenty years you can retire. It, it was a good job, but uh, I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, you ladies, imagine having to connect those dots. <laughs> yeah, well, that's that's what happened. I was sitting there, and they, the, the guy it was it was almost to the end of the presentation, and it was a company that prepared you for the test uh, to get in, and he put this screen, and it was a nineteen early 1980s screen uh, in the slideshow, and it had all kinds of dots on it. And it, it, it was actually a film. It was moving, and the dots were moving. And he said, if you don't think that you can sit in front of a screen like this and make sure that none of these two dot, none of these dots on this page, on this screen, hit each other, uh, then because you, you'll, you'll lose three, 400 lives if that happens, then just get up and leave now. And Hutch got up and left. I would have to. I was the only one, but I was out. I'm like, nope, I can't do that. No way. Ladies and gentlemen, today is the 73-year anniversary of VE Day of America defeating the Nazis. Today marks the 73-year anniversary of the United States officially celebrating victory over the Nazis in Europe. And now we have them here as Democrats. World War II saw the carnage that we will hopefully never see again, and it also proved without question that America is the greatest country the world has ever known. Millions of young American men went to Europe armed with M1 rifles and Thompson submachine guns, hell-bent on bringing freedom and killing Nazis. We would lose over 100,000 men in Europe before, before the Nazis finally waved the white flag. Now, I have to interject, although it's not uh, VE, it wasn't the ETO, but it was the PTO, the Pacific Theater of Operations. The Marine Corps went in there with M1903 Springfields. And if you know anything, I have one. If you know anything about weapons, uh, you get like five rounds. And they're not even they're not even in a magazine or on a clip, on a stripper clip. And I cannot imagine the logistics of trying to carry that many <laughs> rounds around in the jungle uh, and not having... Uh, stoppages and and problems loading. Oh my goodness! In the jungles there, right? Ooh. Guadalcanal. Uh, I, I would I would urge everyone uh, to try to catch the series The Pacific. If you want to see how uh, brutal 
the United States Marines' life was back then. I'll just give you a quick description, and then we got to get out of here. Uh, but you had half of the landing force land on Guadalcanal. They came ashore unopposed, uh, but they moved inland, and they started to have contact on the first night. And as the night went on, the Marines could see, you couldn't see the harbor, but they could see the flashes of the naval battle that was going on in the harbor. And naturally, they thought the United States Navy was having its way with the Japanese Navy. Well, in the next morning, they went out and looked, and there was no more U.S. Navy out there. And they only had half of their guys and half of their equipment. Imagine that. Imagine if that was you. Now, there you are on Guadalcanal with thousands of enemy soldiers that they have air and sea power, and you have your rifle. God bless the United States Marines. Exactly. All right, that's about it. Uh, if you have any final comments, Jack, now's the time to throw them out there. I want to congratulate you on your 600th show last night. I listened. It was an awesome show with Norway. Um, look forward to 602 with Stacy Rush on Thursday. I'll be back next week on Tuesday. If you like the show and you have some extra cabbage and you'd like to help Hutch out, please, please go to patreon.com forward slash CWR. I spelled Charlie, Whiskey, Romeo, and uh, send him some cabbage. I hear the chopper rising. Hutch, see you next week. Okay, thank you, Jack. Great job. Thanks to everybody listening live. And thanks to you for listening on the podcast, if that's what you do. Heading over to Maryland right now. Rocky, let's uh, saddle up. I'm Hutch Bailey Jr. on Facebook, Berg's Eye View on Twitter. Thanks for letting us into your life for one hour, ladies and gentlemen. See you Thursday or see you over at Wayne's. God bless. War Radio Eagle 1 cleared for takeoff. Cold War Radio Eagle 1, Baltimore bound man. Destination We Are America Radio Studio, Rocky Out. This is Godzilla, coming around you to light the bad guys up with a maverick. Roger, over.